Hi, and welcome to the farm. We're talking You've Married the Farmer, Now What? And our guest today is Sarah. We're joining Sarah on her incredible journey from moving from the city of Bathurst, New South Wales, to her farm. In our chat today, we talk about the transition from being in town every day to progressing to going to town every day to then only going to town when you need to do town jobs. We'll be exploring the highs and lows of farming and, tra and transitioning to the farm. In our chat today, Sarah also tells us about the secret of list making in everyday preparedness as well as in an emergency situation and the context of some of those cases. So come with us to the farm as we chat with Sarah today. I'm Katya Williams, the Rural Mum, and today we're talking with Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Katya. Can you tell me about yourself, your family, and your farm? Sure. I'm a Bathurst born and bred girl, very much the townie. I never foresaw the life that I'm currently living, so it was a shock to the system to say the least. And I'm now married to Hamish. We've been, I guess, 10 years of putting up with each other. Now we've, we've passed many, many ups and downs during all of that. And we've got two little boys now who the eldest starts kindy next year and the other one hot on his heels, albeit two years apart in age. Perfect. That's beautiful. So, Sarah, tell me a little bit about where you grew up uh, and then tell me how you met your farmer and moved to the farm. Sure. So... As I said, I was a townie, so I just had a very standard town life in, in regional New South Wales. So I was always around friends that were farming families and various things like that. But my parents had been in town. They had their thousand square metre block. Life was great. It was all very easy to go to sport and do all the activities you do as, as children. And I met a man, dear Hamish, and he lived in town. Beautiful. No worries. Beautiful. He was a trade, which was a bit of a shock to my system because I think in my head I would pictured this suit would be my husband, a suit-wearing man that went to the office every day and came home. And alas, I had orange shirts, covered in high vis, grease, and, and very handy. So when I'd say something's broken, I'll call the plumber. I can do it. Don't worry. Little did I know when I said, let's build a house. And again, I thought 1,000 square metres, nice new house. He said, mm mm, -mm. And next minute, we moved 40 minutes away to Manjurima, and we're on a small farm right next door to my in-laws. So that is not what I, I had in mind when I said, let's build a house, because I didn't get to build a house either. No. Okay. Well, tell me about the house that you moved to and the, the block and the farming operations. Sure. So for... Uh, for me, I, I thought we might as well have been buying a station. It was it was huge to go to our tiny little 100 acres that we we home we call home, I should say. So we yes, we nestled in next to my in-laws, which I'm so fortunate that we did do that. There were times in the lead up to the move where you you wonder what you're doing and is this the right call? But they are absolute gems of human beings. Equal to that though, it meant that I I left my parents in Bathurst, so. 
for a long time, I still worked in Bathurst. So that was to and from each day, which isn't a, a large commute. And, and I like driving, which is great. But as it went on and the, and the kids came along and my occupation changed and I'd retrained and a few other bits and pieces, we just kept looking at each other going, this isn't sustainable for, for children that will go to school in a few years, which obviously is now upon us. Um, and, and various other factors too. My husband was missing out on doing things with the kids. We'd get home at night. It was like quick feed them into bed. Did they have vegetables tonight? Not sure. We just needed them fed. So everything sort of started to change. And I guess the farm became more and more home. Um, that that town girl that I once was wasn't quite so much. The kids loved being here. We loved being here. And and slowly that whole transition of leaving all of town behind us has sort of happened that now town, if I if I could be so rude to say that, is really for all the, the town stuff, the groceries and the and the shopping rather than where we live our life and we come home to the farm. We we now very much farm at home. Uh, we normally have a, a few head of cattle on here, but that hasn't happened for the last little while. We've been a little bit busy setting up businesses and used, I guess, what you'd call the cattle money for that. And over time, whilst I retrained and diversified, so did, well, Hamish didn't retrain, but he opened up his own business as a, um, well, I guess he contracts to farmers in the area, but fixing and installing water lines for them and a lot of farm machinery repairs and maintenance as he's a, a welder by trade. So again, we ended up back on farm and, and helping farmers. So we're, despite being small in our acres that we do ourselves, our life revolves around it because I'm doing conveyancing for the, the farmers in and around the area and my husband's purely on those farms. So harvest, sowing, everything in between, we very much feel the seasons, even though it might not be on our own farm. And the case might be this week and they're carving. So it's actually my job to go over with the kids after school and, and check that everything's going okay, which in the peak of a Christmas conveyancing season, not ideal, but again, we multitask, make it through and make sure everybody's living at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Sarah, tell me about some of the hurdles and surprises of when you first did move to your block. Ooh, um, yeah, hurdles, snakes. That's a good yeah. one. Don't do snakes very well, and I still don't. Uh, that's my biggest one for certain. Uh, and we have a saying in our house, things I never thought I'd. And yeah. it's always me that's saying it, not not Hamish, because he, he knew this world already. His parents had had a farm, a small farm, for most of his teenage years. So he'd always been coming back and forth to this area and doing everything he does now. So he'd just look at me and go, yeah, okay, sure, that's how it goes. Um and yeah, as I said, for me, it was always eye-opening. Um, just even little things. So one of our first weekends here, a, a calf needed some help. So we've got it up onto the back of the quad bike. He's jumped on the back of the quad to keep the calf on. And he's yelling at me. I'm like, well, now what? I guess drive. Oh, yep, that makes sense. Sure. So the communication that happens, uh, that we're normally good communicators, but yeah, on farm, yeah, the old whatever he says in the cattle yards is not what he means. So, so true. <laughs> yeah, I found uh, there can be a lot of assumed knowledge uh, from those who are in the family background and, and when they're on farm. So uh, when you move, I was from a small acreage as well. So when I moved onto the farm, there was that miscommunication and assumed knowledge between, don't you know this already? Don't you know <laughs> that this is how we, we do this? And, and 
how do you not know that when I when we pick up that calf that we need to take it to the like to these yards you know like I don't know I I would like you to tell me please (laughs) please use your words it's much like having a child isn't it really got to help me here babe (laughs) Yeah. yeah absolutely and so with snakes being another big hurdle because here in Australia they are everywhere and on farms they are everywhere was there certain things that you put in place like snake kits everywhere or cutting back the grass so that you could see them coming or getting guinea fowl like what sort of things did you do to help with the snakes? Yeah so I'm absolutely petrified of birds which is great for a farmer's life so I'm constantly asked do you have chickens? No no and I'm not going to either. Uh, so no, there's no guinea fowl around around here either. Much to my children's dislike, they they would love to have something, but I I just can't can't do that one. Um, I guess yeah, it was always those constant reminders, which I you know you take for granted now. There's there's some shovels around just in case something is is far too close and, and really required. Um, always keeping the grass short, and I didn't ever see the need for whippersnipping with every mow. You know, it was a sometimes thing, but. All those little bits and pieces and there's a, I won't go into it, but there is a a very good story of the first snake Sarah ever came across and it does involve my father-in-law coming to my rescue, some pink footy shorts and me on the upstairs veranda. So um, I still probably don't want to go near them and and, and I've learned with that, but I, I guess I've put in place things that there's like the, the go-to list and it, and it's um, for a lot of, it's like the triage, I guess you'd say, really, and it's widespread. So there's a triage of what to do if there's a snake and a triage of, of which hospital do we go to because we're quite central. Being the central west, it's 30 minutes to quite a few different hospitals, but they're at different capabilities and, and how long till an ambulance. So we have a triage list of what's the incident, do you meet the ambulance, do you call an ambulance, do you just get there yourself? Um, and, and that goes through for, for so many things. It's it's flooded in our bottom dams. We've had a fire close enough that I've packed the car and stuck all the sprinklers on the house to be sure. It's it's that constant list making of what are your all your hypothetical situations and yeah, the, the triaging of at what point in time do we do A, B, C and D that uh, as a list maker, that's not bad for me, but it has also surprised me often how many yeah. times there's a requirement for a new list. Yeah, I absolutely love that and I would love to hear more about the lists because I think (laughs) that is so important and, you know, quite often we can be sitting at home thinking of the what-ifs but then, you know, putting it down into an action plan and putting it down into practice is something completely different. So can you tell me a few more scenarios that you have thought what-if and then made the list Um, because I don't know if a I mean, I know about the the sprinklers on the roof and and the tennis balls. You know, you don't have tennis balls to play tennis. You have them, so you put them in the downpipe, so it fills up with water. Like, tell me <laughs> some of the other bits and pieces like that that I think would be really important for someone moving to the farm for the first time to know and to hear. Yeah, uh, I guess using the the farm machinery, uh, they've all got their place, and some of them have multiple purposes. So, for us, we've got a, a really old Land Cruiser Ute type situation and I have no need to drive it why why would I I don't spray I don't you know there's a limit to my outdoor activities here but that is also the fire truck you need to be able to get in if you're you're bringing it up so you do need that lesson and sometimes it's it's a yearly refresher you know my husband just goes you know you pull the choke and you get going and as a child of the very late 80s I still sit there and go the choke (laughs) right yeah cool no worries so 
Uh, same thing, uh, firearms. So yes, I do have a gun license, but I don't have any desire to use it or um, it is literally there as, as the farmer's life, I guess. Yeah. So same thing, start of the, every, for us it's the spring, so the warm comes again and out it comes and I have my, my demo again on, you know, where is it, how do I get it out, what bullet, and, and, and literally go through all of it again because while it's it's in there, and I think I'd use it in an emergency. I don't want to have that fear of holy dooly. Can I remember what I was told? I just the refreshers and uh, but yeah, machinery. You you do you don't know when you need to pull it out of the shed, or even if it is just to get it out of the shed. Um, you don't know when the water pipe lets go and something's about to flood it, or you need to be able to at least operate it enough to move it somewhere else. I think, uh, and that surprised me because I've had many injuries. From machinery that I'm basically banned from all of them <laughs> but I still need to know how to move them so that I don't have to claim on insurance. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and I think that's so important especially you know tractors and different pieces uh, of mach bigger machinery as well. Um, I've never had to sit I've never had to drive the the header at this point in time and and I don't spend a lot of time on the tractor but in those situations where you know, you need to get in and you need to move it. You know, mm. it's it's very important that you do have those refreshers and I really appreciate uh, talking about that today. Yeah, pleasure. <laughs> so, Sarah, you have um, two boys on the farm with you now. So yes. tell me a little bit about um, how things have changed now that you have kids on farm with you. Yeah, isn't the first 12 months of that a wild ride? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's something else so yes they're five well they're nearly six and four really so they're they are 100 percent outdoors very stereotypical farm boys uh they too wear their high vis and stripes just like dad i've given up on town clothes and, and anything nice and beautiful um i get surprised very very pleasantly surprised when they choose to wear town clothes as something different so there's some changes again from the life I thought I'd have versus the one I, I do have. But it's what it affords the boys is probably the greatest, well, it's the joy for me, really. Uh, I don't know that there's another word for it because being able to see them with their all their toys and everything else that they have outside, they are truly recreating everything that they see. And I'm I'm very blessed and grateful that they don't, they don't know another life at this stage. You know, it's quite a simple childhood for them. They are truly out there with spare pipes and fittings and, and a bike that's totally dishevelled, but they've put everything onto it and that's their spray bike. And, and off they go and they spray my yard for me. They've made many water features and fountains. Uh, but with it then came some more lists. You know, what happens if one has asthma? So the level of asthma and how soon do you go and um, you know, snakes, making sure they're aware of if snakes aren't harmful, but you need to be leaving them alone. And uh, I work inside our home. I'm a home-based business, so they're often outside and I'm not completely supervising them as, as much as that might be a little bit shocking to, to say for others. But I can hear them. I assure you I can hear these two children. <laughs> uh, but they, they there's an autonomy and a, a growing up and responsibility that they're getting quite young and you know you you feed the dog and um I don't know even simple little things you know shoes and hats that you don't go outside unless the shoes and the hats are on and a lot of that's for their safety yeah. but it creates some other little things of 
yeah, in-house things that it helps them with as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I love when you were saying about the the games and things that they play. I think their imagination just blossoms um, in that environment. And I, I love that I don't have to worry about their volume because I have two young boys as well um, and a daughter, but I don't have to worry about the boys' volume. They can they can be boys and they can, you know, play their games and I'm not too worried about that. Well, the safety. Let's just go with safety because Let's the safety, safety. And, and not to take away from girls, I know some very wonderful, adventurous, bold-spirited young ladies, but, yeah, two boys that they've got a lot of rope actually. They're we give them a lot of rope to find out where their their lengths are as to where they can pull up. And, and we were actually in the shed one day and we've got an old um, uh, hydraulic like pump action hoist in there, a thousand ton hoist. I'm probably not using the right words, but that's what I'm going to call it. And one of my husband's clients was there and he happened to look in the shed and here is our youngest holding onto the hook of the hoist in the middle of the air above the concrete shed. And, you know, they were they were lifting the engine out of the car. And he goes, well, he was sitting in the car. So they'd had the two-year-old at the time as, as the engine. He was utterly horrified and we quickly brought him down. But we sat there kind of proud that they thought about how to make it work and how to hold on. And he hooked him up and they were they were pretty good at it. <laughs> so the, yeah. the imagination certainly runs wild. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely on that safety note as well, like my two are climbers. So... Oh the safety precautions that I had sort of thought that I would need to put in place, I needed to almost double or tenfold to make sure that, you know, they weren't climbing things or doing things like that without supervision. Um, But then also you mentioned, you know, with your asthma plans and and things like that, we've had to do a couple of um, calls of the ambulance to the farm or mm-hmm. to try and work out those logistics of which hospital and and do we just get in the car and drive you mentioned asthma and i think asthma is one of those things particularly with yard dust or seasonal asthma with that's linked in with hay fever and those sorts of things can sometimes be overlooked on the farm if it hasn't been experienced before mm-hmm. so having those puffers and spaces on hand or uh, having that action plan is really important. We've had one of our boys stop breathing once um, just due to asthma. Mm. And, um, he, you know, he started breathing again. He was fine. But, yeah, yeah, in that moment you sort of think, oh, my gosh, I don't have an action plan for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and the little things, what do we do with the other kids? And who can we call? And, um, yeah, you and, look, we all learn as we go along. So maybe that's one of the, the best keeps – takeaways I've got is that I I don't have all the answers still and that's what nine years of living on a farm I still don't have it all because it keeps changing the the children are changing the lifestyle the things we're doing don't be too hard on yourself when when you suddenly go oh shoot how did we not ever make a plan for that because there's a time and a place and we work with what we can and what we know and what we can foresee but if we could plan for every occasion we'd be in a lot different position to where we are today and and the reality is yeah there's sometimes that we won't have something in place but that's the lesson to take another stop and reset and and make sure you do put something in place for that for the next time because yeah you don't know when unfortunately when it's going to happen and and look having a puffer on any any farm I think a, a good ventilant sitting there 
can't hurt for anybody, even if you've got no history. It could be a guest that turns up to your house one day and that bit of Ventolin for an asthmatic or otherwise non-medical advice. I, I put a disclaimer yeah, on that. But, but you know, a Ventolin there, it, it could be something that $5, $10, whatever it is, you don't know when you may pull it out one day. Yeah, absolutely. So, Sarah, tell me a little bit about... When you moved to the farm for the first time, did someone give you a piece of advice or a mantra that you still refer to today or you think that was a gem? Uh, yeah, that one goes to my mother-in-law. Absolutely. She she very kindly put her hand on my shoulder and she said, darling, the hardest thing will ever be will be to make him leave the farm. And she is right. I thought at the time she meant move back to town. No, she means to go do the shopping, to drop the kids at daycare, to plan a holiday, to to do anything in life, it will be very difficult to get him to come. Once they're off, they're usually fantastic. But the getting off, very, very tricky. Do you have any steps or lists that you go through to make sure you can get your farmer off farm? Um, oh, look, if it's really important to me, I just book it. So yeah. <laughs> I do. We have reached that stage now. Uh, but I also know not to abuse that. He's um, he's a great dad and he's a great husband and he does like to come with us. So I'm probably just a bit mindful of what I do book. Uh, and I'm also aware that during the peak times, and I'm, I I do use my words and, and make sure that we keep communicating, but in saying, um, saying that I make plans, when we get to particularly sowing and harvest, and as I said, that's not for us, but he's contracted to be doing those tasks, I can't stop the lives of myself and the boys for the six or so weeks that that's often going for. So I make sure I let him know that we're making plans and those plans are simple things. It's dinner with friends or or either set of parents or, or whatever it might be, an activity to take the kids to. You are very welcome if it happens that you can come along, but we're also not expecting you. We, we know you've got that happening over there. Um, if it rains, please jump in the car and come. But yes, that you've got no obligation and, and we've made this plan knowing you can't come. So, uh, that yeah, communicate, I guess, and pick your battles. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Sarah, that probably comes to the end of my official questions for today, but did you have any more tips, tricks, advice or stories to share with the rural mum community for those moving to the farm for the first time or returning back to a family farm that you found helpful in your journey that you think they would be able to potentially apply to their journey? Back yourself. You are stronger and far more capable than you could possibly think you are and you will reap the reward of of backing yourself. But with that, be gentle on yourself too. When it doesn't go to plan or how you thought or you weren't as successful, be it individually, as a couple, as a family, that's okay too. There's a lesson in it and and you reset, restock and, and go again, but you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I think that is something that we need to hear and we need to remind ourselves every day. So thank you so much for that, Sarah, and thank you Pleasure. for being here. Pleasure. Thank you. Mm-hmm.